we need to, to have more collaboration. We need the, the guys and the gals working together to succeed together. And as men, you know, what, what you can do is you can support the women getting the seat at the table, right? One of the yeah. things that I say right now to my group in particular is you're not asking for a seat at the table anymore. You're saying, make room, I'm coming in and I'm taking the seat, right? And so, you know, I think we've reached a point now where asking politely to say, oh, please, sir, can I come in? That's, you know, that's bullshit. Sorry, <laughs> you know, yeah. like we just like we have to just get past that. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. What's the real power of leverage? People think real estate is all about leveraging capital. Money is important. But what about the decisions we make? The things we do and don't do determine our success as investors. Choices and actions create success. Before we get to the bank, we make choices guided by mindset and by the things we do and don't know. If we want to succeed as investors, we need to leverage knowledge. We need to increase what we know so our actions pay bigger dividends. Join host Terry Shower and Jean-Philippe Claude for conversations with leading experts in the real estate field. From mortgages to mindset and from macroeconomics to local market trends. Grow your knowledge capital with us. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast, where we seek advice to help us make better investing decisions. Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here today with my co-host, Axel, and with Liza Rogers, who is the founder of REN, which is the Women's Real Estate Network. And she's based in Victoria. And she's also done something very interesting in COVID. We were just talking about it off camera of coming out with a book called Ordinary to Extraordinary, which is basically about the journey that uh, different female real estate investors across Canada have had. So we're going to get into that a little bit today. But by way of introduction, uh, Liza, why don't you just tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Thanks, Terry and Axel, for having me here. It's uh, awesome to get to chat to two colleagues in Montreal. And uh, as you mentioned, I'm over here in Victoria. And yeah, we, uh, you know, we took the opportunity with COVID to write a book. And it's been an exciting journey. A little bit about me. I'm a gypsy. I'm a traveler. I often tell people that I retired first. And now I have to kind of, you know, start working. <laughs> and so, you know, at this point in my life, I'm, uh, I'm in my 50s. And I said, you know what? I got to find something that's going to set me up for retirement. And as I started looking, real estate, real estate, real estate, that that was the path. And so now on my journey, I just discovered that tons of women feel like they're left out of the real estate market. They feel like they're never going to get in. They're afraid to tap into equity that they're sitting on, especially in places like Victoria and Vancouver. And so REN was formed and we're, you know, a big group of women who want the best out of life. We love to travel. We want to own properties together in Mexico and Portugal, and we want to help build wealth in our communities. And we're just, we're going for it. So that's the Coles Notes version of me <laughs> and, what, and what we've been doing. Well, why don't you um, just walk us in a little bit more detail? First of all, like, how did you get started as an investor? And then how does that turn into REN? Because, I mean, like, there's so many of us who are investing and not everyone starts an investor's network. So... <laughs> No, I know I'm a little bit I'm a little bit crazy that way. I remember a, a colleague of mine saying to me a few years ago, you jump right from learning to teaching. 
And I, I think it's, uh, oh gosh, I'm, I may get it wrong here. It may be Maslow's hierarchy, but that there's something about teaching as the highest form of learning. And she had said, like, you're this person who you learn something and you immediately want to share it and you immediately jump into hosting, facilitating, teaching. That might come from my my tour guide background, but it is a little bit crazy, right? Like instead of learning about real estate and then going and applying it with a couple of people, I just jump in and I invite like, you know, 10 or 15 people and I, let's do this together. You know? <laughs> so my journey started, uh, I came back from Australia. I'd been living in Australia for a year and I was actually looking at buying a hotel down there with a colleague. Didn't work out. You know, that's a whole other book. But uh, I got back and I'm thinking, OK, you know, I, I basically have to start over. So what am I going to do? And as I mentioned, I, I was looking at all kinds of options, you know, the dreaded job, which, you know, I had to had to do that for a while. But I kept looking at real estate and thinking, if I want to continue to live this big life and have the freedom to travel and encourage my friends to jump in and come along with me, because I've been a solo traveler for so many of my journeys, it's great to be able to say to your friends, hey, let's go and work overseas for a month or let's go travel together and go backpacking somewhere or go riverboating in Europe. So I wanted to make sure that as I was feeling empowered, that I was getting other women in my team and my tribe to feel the same way. So that journey led to learning a lot about real estate. And, and you know, we all start with a number of different organizations, especially here in Canada. There's the Scott McGill of Rays with Keyspire. There's uh, Don Campbell and, and Patrick Francie with Rain. Uh, there's Ozzy Jurak with the Real Estate Action Group. There's all of the local groups that we all know and love. And I just dove in and got as much information as I possibly could and networked and met people. And as I was going through this whole process, I was realizing that it was mostly men. And as I was talking to women, I was saying, how are you set up for your future? Are you setting yourself up for a good retirement? And the answer was no, almost all the time. Women were just not ready. And so I realized that as I was learning, I really needed to be able to, you know, jump in and, and teach as well. So that was how Ren was born. And it was really kind of off the side of my desk. And it, it was a necessity because, you know, here in Victoria, I often say, as you move across Canada, Victoria is on the, the wild west coast, and we are the last to catch up, right? <laughs> we are we are the last to sort of come into, you know, come out of the dark ages and, and into the light. And it's really happening at quite a pace now. But I remember when I first got here, I got a lot of, oh, we don't do things like that around here. Or, you know, right? You know, or uh, or who are you, right? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just a woman who's doing real estate. Like, it's not that big of a deal. you know. So that's kind of the the journey that I've been on. And, and it's just, you know, the first property that I bought was with, was with two young women. And we bought it as a case study to show that the model could work, collaborate, buy a property and it went up 40% and we sold it and we all walked away and now we're all doing different things. So it's a journey and, and I love it and I, I wouldn't change any part of it. Definitely. It, it, it seems like there's a reoccurring thread with what you've mentioned is your desire, like as soon as you learn something to want to share it with others. And that's something I can relate to because so many times like, well, I mean, if this works, why aren't more people doing it? And so to create a platform and a network to actually structure it and make it easier it obviously facilitates a lot. My question connected to this is very early on, you mentioned you wanted to start the network for women. Obviously, you saw that need, but did you face resistance? Like, are some women actually, they want to, they're scared. And how did you go about breaking that barrier to actually get them involved? 
Yeah, great question, Axel. So yes, there was resistance. So, you know, a couple of my guy friends, I love them dearly and they've come a long way. No, but I had a couple of my guy friends in the beginning say, you realize you're starting a sexist organization. And I'm like, oh my God, come on, seriously? <laughs> like, we're just trying to market to women, right? We've got a lot of pink in our world. You know? <laughs> like, you know, we're not excluding men. And in fact, you know, I have guys in in the women's real estate network, you know, two of my biggest sponsors are, are men because they see the importance of getting women involved in investing in real estate, not just in buying real estate, but investing in projects, in developments, in housing. And so the the resistance, first, it was an, a lack of understanding, right? Like there were a lot of really puzzled faces like, well, I don't get it. What are you doing? I'm getting women together to collaboratively learn and buy real estate. It's not that complicated. But there were a lot of people who just hadn't been exposed to this whole, you know, joint venture, general partnership, limited partnership, passive investing, active investing, flipping. It was, you know, it was kind of the HGTV romance that people were familiar with, with seeing, you know, all of the beautiful TV shows where everything works out perfectly. But they, the reality was seemed, seemed a lot scarier. So it was helping women to understand what's possible and showing them that it, you know, you don't kind of do it all at once. I, I do things a little bit crazy. I, you know, start the network and then do everything on top of that. But you, you work your way into it slowly, right? You build a team, you learn some of the basics, you watch what other people are doing and, and you kind of observe from behind. You read a lot, you know, you go to networking events, you meet people who are doing it, you, you get in the room where there are people actively investing. And that was one of the key things with the ladies, right? Like there just wasn't a lot of sort of networking opportunity for women to be in a room and talk about real estate. And, and that is really changing now. It's so much different than it was five, six years ago. But so let me ask you, in your book, you mentioned uh, a couple of times that you feel like women's approach to real estate or women's approach to investing might be different. So I've kind of had a sneaking suspicion of this myself for a while, but <laughs> you're our guest today. So tell us, how do you see those differences? You know, I think the differences can be as, you know, as big or as subtle as we kind of, we're generalizing here, right? So I guess that's the, the thing that I have to say, first of all, I, I never want to disrespect the guys. I, I love the guys. But what we want to say about women is women do tend to approach real estate more holistically. And the data shows, and this is global data from vetted organizations, United Nations, Clinton Foundation, you know, lots of organizations that study women around the world. It shows when you invest in a woman, 60 to 80% of that money that she gets into her business or her pocket goes back into the community. When you invest in a man, it's much less than that. It's 80% he usually keeps in his company or, or his pocket. So it's a massive difference. So wow. what that shows us is that, you know, when you invest in a woman, that has a trickle down effect, right? And, and I've started actually saying a trickle up effect, right? It's like we're lifting each other up. We're investing in our local stores. We're investing in each other. I mean, one of the things that we do with Ren, you know, if somebody's buying a property and is like short, it's like, oh, I'll, I've got that for you. You know, I'll, I'll loan you the $50,000 or the $100,000 so you can get that done and then it'll come back. I mean, there's so much money flowing between us. It's super exciting how that happens. But women do tend to invest into their families, into their communities and more holistically. So there's an organization right now. I was just on a webinar and I'm super excited about what they're doing. They've got an all women development team. 
And they've gone to the extent that even the company that's doing the construction for their project is hiring and training more women so that they can actually have women 100% on the tools because they know they want more women in the game. So there's some people that say, well, you know, that that may end up lowering the, the caliber because you're going to hire people that are less trained. And it's like, okay, well, the other argument is if we just have more diversity and and more kind of a variety of ways to look at things that's in the end that gets us to a, a much better place so so that's just an example you know there's there's lots of organizations now where women are are getting more involved and we have a housing crisis in Canada and we need to solve that housing crisis government's not going to solve the housing crisis it's going to take the the private sector to fix the housing crisis and the more we have women involved and knowledgeable about we need them to help solve this crisis the faster we're going to be able to provide housing for people and and that's you know that's a big part of it if women can see that by becoming real estate investors, they can help their community, they're actually going to jump in faster. Because it's not just about the bottom line. Yeah, it's great to, you know, make money on a flip or, or get monthly cash flow or, you know, build a development and make hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. But it's also really amazing when you can say, I built 100 rental units for my community, or I built a senior's home for my community. And, and we've got women in the book who have done exactly that. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's great, right? So I think one aspect you mentioned is kind of the trickle up effect, but uh, something else that I want to just poke you to tell us about is, so I participate in martial arts and I did a coach's course not long ago where they basically told us that the attrition rate for women in sports as they go through adolescence is five to one. So out of every six girls who does sports as a kid, five of them are going to drop out while they're in adolescence. And one of the reasons that they give for this is that women's approach to learning is not exactly the same as men and that there's like an aspect to feeling intimidated and competition that works a little bit different. I'm sure you have some ideas about that. And that's going to then feed into Axel's next question about how different people can encourage more women into the sphere. So what do you you know, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think that's another, you know, that's definitely another piece of it, right? Women are less competitive. And rather than than making that a disadvantage, we have to make that an advantage because, yes, there's place for competition and, and competition is, is great for a, a lot of different things to get us ahead. But collaboration is, for me, collaboration is key. Collaboration just allows you to get so many more people so further ahead and it, and collaboration to me has a ripple effect because you 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 know it's like I tell two people and they tell two people and you know that that old kind of uh, adage of the the ripple effect and how everything grows out and goes out so competition definitely has its place but collaboration means that you're all moving forward together one of the things we have to also start celebrating more is is feminine energy right and and it's that going at things a little bit softer being a little bit more inquisitive being curious and and open and those are kind of feminine qualities that we know and and see and and understand and instead of those being looked at now as things that slow down a, a an organization's move forward we're now realizing the value of those we're realizing the value of valuing your employees valuing your community looking for the win not only for your organization but but how to create multiple wins like I have a whole course that I'll probably release next year about uh, five wins right so everything that you do in business and in life you can actually 
create so that there's a five win piece to it. That is something that is very much the, the feminine piece of it. And rather than suppressing that, we need to start celebrating it more. Absolutely. I love the, the fact that you ended with like, we need to celebrate more because I find that's something that's not done enough. Whenever we do projects, it's like, hey, you just finished your project. You did a big refinance. Everyone's happy. Let's celebrate. Come on. Like at least, exactly. you know, you mentioned that the need for collaboration and that being a strong point of women and also changing some of the, the values that we have that women bring that aren't necessarily perceived in the same way. And I was going to go one step further is that, and I'll make kind of a general statement there is that we know we still live in a patriarchal society still way, way, way too much. And as a male real estate investors, I really want to support more women. And I'm going to ask you from the personal side, like what can men do to slowly change things? Absol, thank you. You know, we, we, we always love our enlightened guys who, who ask that question, right? Because we, we need to all do this together. We need to, to have more collaboration. We need the, the guys and the gals working together to succeed together. And as men, you know, what, what you can do is you can support the women getting the seat at the table, right? One of the yeah. things that I say right now to my group in particular is you're not asking for a seat at the table anymore. You're saying, make room, I'm coming in and I'm taking this seat. Right. And so, you know, I think we've reached a point now where asking politely to say, oh, please, sir, can I come in? That's, you know, that's bullshit. Sorry. (laughs) You know, know? like we just like we have to just get past that. Right. And there's nothing wrong with just saying, you know, I'm, I'm coming in. I'm coming to the table. So what we are asking the guys to do is to be welcoming. Right. Be supportive. Start to understand what it is that women actually bring to that table because it's a different perspective and if we're going to solve the problems that this world has we need as many different perspectives as possible and and the more creativity and the more curiosity we approach these things with the better we're going to be able to you know solve the housing crisis you know put an end to world hunger right celebrate the, the things that we're doing well lift more women out of poverty get more girls educated I mean, one of the things I read a couple of years ago is the number of children that are being born in like the continent of Africa has declined dramatically over the last 10 years because women are allowed to be educated. And so, you know, we're having a, an impact on the global population by educating women. <laughs> like it just yeah. seems so logical, uh, but it's taken us a long time to get there and we still have a, a ways to go. So from the guy's perspective, we love the the male perspective. We love the male energy, but we also want to be loved for what women are bringing to the table. We don't want to come in and become guys. You know, we don't want to, you know, you got to be more like the man. It's like, no, we don't. We have to stay as we are. We have to keep that feminine energy and bring what that allows to the table. And that, you know, again, curiosity, collaboration, lifting people up, questions, conversation, not competing, but, you know, how do we work through this together and, and how do we make this better? That's the biggest thing, you know, reach out to the women in your community and say, hey, you know, we'd love to help you get involved in real estate. What can we do? to support you and being, I think, kind and gentle about it, right? Like I I still remember sitting down at a bar in Moncton when I was in Moncton uh, visiting a friend and looking at property, you know, and I sat down at the bar, have a drink, and this guy sits next to me and says, so what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a real estate investor. And he literally went right into mansplaining, right? Like he took the pose, well, little lady, you know, that's a real dangerous game for a young woman like you. And I'm like, 
what the are you kidding me (laughs) i couldn't believe it i'm like are you actually kidding me right now and and i still get that so yeah say hey that's great how can i help you right that's a much better approach than well little lady are you sure you know are you sure that's very risky (laughs) reality check yeah, <laughs> I love that. That was great. <laughs> um, but so, Lisa, let me ask you, one of the ways you came onto my radar was uh, with the book that you helped. I guess it's, I don't want to say co-author or a curate. Yeah, um, curate. Just that's, com- the, that's curate. the easiest yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that you've just come out with. So uh, Ordinary to Extraordinary stories of different uh, success, female success stories of investors across Canada. So tell me, what's the book about? And how did you put that together during COVID? (laughs) Yeah, well, well, I think I think COVID was key. I mean, you know, we were all kind of like stuck at home. And so I thought, okay, I have about a a half a dozen books in, in my head. And so I've always wanted to write a collaborative book with women investors. And the timing was perfect. You know, COVID gave us a, a lot of opportunity that we took. Everybody at the first was kind of like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And one of the things that we did with our group was, come on, everybody, you got to take your head out of the sand. You have to look at the opportunity that this is bringing, right? We're being given a, a crisis and how we deal with it is going to shape our future. And so we, you know, we just dug our heels in. And the book was one of the amazing results of that. And so I'm super proud of all of the women in this book. I mean, the vulnerability, I mean, that's one of the things I I haven't talked much about yet, but that's one of the feminine sides of that is being vulnerable and being open to share your story and share your struggles and your success and your failures is such an empowering thing to do. When people see and hear and feel that you have struggled and you've overcome because we all have struggles, we all overcome things, that kind of message says, well, they overcame it. So maybe I can too. And and that's really the, the biggest message in the book. If we can do it, you know, I came back from Australia and, and basically hid under my mom's duvet for a week because I was devastated. I was heartbroken. I was broke. I had to completely reinvent myself and, and you know, out of the ashes. Right. And so hearing the stories of what women have gone through and their willingness to share, to inspire people to say, you know, we can do it. Right. So some of the stories, like if we look on the East Coast, Darlene, passionate about seniors homes and knowing that there's a gap there. And and this is, you know, this is, again, women tend to see the gap and want to help fix it. Started doing flips. And then before she knew it, she had a piece of property and she built, staffed and sold a seniors home. And so she did the whole thing and, you know, turnkey business, right? Sold it with staff, with operations, with systems and started as flipping a mobile home, but then took her transferable skills that she had in management from managing things like Kmart and Chapters Bookstores, applied those to real estate and and had a huge success with building seniors home and provided something very necessary for the community. Ava Benisaki is doing massive things with the U.S. market, right? I think her last project had a value of $90 million. So partnering with organizations in the U.S., teaching people that they can become passive investors, showing people how they can get returns on their money monthly, quarterly, annually, however they have it structured, and having the guts to go and partner with groups in the U.S. and get into, you know, $90 million projects, right? Like people don't do that every day. Starting co-living, I mean, the the big trend that is going to continue to grow 
coming out of COVID, the remote worker, all of these kinds of things, co-living, co-ownership, co-housing, co-working, right? All of the co's are, are starting, collaborating, right? They're all going to be on trend for the next 10 years. So Elisa started a, a co-living place in Toronto, and she's got an 11-unit uh, rooming house downtown Toronto, and she's, you know, now looking at, a, at another one. And so she she leased this one to kind of get a sense of, you know, how to run the operation and the business and has had, you know, great support all the way through and learned a ton. And so now she's ready to go to that next step and, and purchase a property. And she's providing housing for people who are students coming from overseas. And she's got this great multi-generational, multi-ethnic property. And that is definitely on trend for the future. So yeah, the book, Total Labor of Love, great stories real vulnerability. And I'm just so proud of all of the women who just like laid it on the table and said, you know, here we are and uh, warts and all. And if we can do it, so can you. I think, you know, what I love about what you just said, there's there's two things there. And I think the first one is the fact of this, I guess it's like, you know, kind of a feminine vulnerability, not that men can't be vulnerable. But I think that for women, it's like maybe just a little bit easier. And it's like more of a way that like we relate to each other. You know, like I, I, as you were talking, I was like thinking about, you know, the times at which like I meet new women and meet new people. And very often, like they will lead with their vulnerabilities. Like that's kind of a feminine thing to do. And I think that that's a very, like you said, empowering thing. And it's not necessarily like really empowering to the speaker, but it's very empowering to everyone who hears the story because it demystifies things and it makes people think like, yeah, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. And if she had those hard things on her path that she overcame, like maybe I can do it too. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's and great. And then, you know, the other thing that I, I guess responded to with the the collaborative effort is that, you know, when I was like coming up as a either real estate investor or even like in the in the sport that I do, people always ask me like, who are your mentors? Who did you look up to? And like, I never know how to answer that question because at the time when I was like making my path, there weren't really women ahead of me that I could look at and say, oh, I want to be her one day. And I think that that's just such a powerful thing to put into the world because every example that you put out there of someone who managed to succeed just opens the way. It's like the wake of a boat, right? It like opens this path behind that people can be like, oh, look, here's an example of someone who did this. Or here's an example of like how you can reconcile like, you know, family with success, which was, you know, when I think of the Ashley Wilson uh, episode that we our, our previous episode, she has like, a, you know, some kids. And when you look at what she's doing and you're like, wow, and she has young kids while she's doing it, like if she can do it. So can I, you know, so I think that's uh, exactly. very uh, empowering, you know, on yeah. both and, hands. Yeah, yeah, great. And just with the vulnerability piece, right? Like as women and for the men in our life too, we need to get back to that because we've, we've taken away one of the things that men want to be able to do and that's to support us. And when we come across as I can do this all by myself, I don't need you, right? Like ladies, like, come on, right? You got to let the men in your life help in whatever way that is. And, and you might not need the help, but but just if you're falling down or, or you need to get something out or have a cry, like let the guys in your life help you with that because men are lost right now. Like they, you know, all these strong women that are like, I don't need you for anything. I can do it on my own, right? We got to get back to being vulnerable, not only for the empowerment of our ourselves and, and other women, but also to empower men, you know, to help men feel empowered again, because we've mm -hmm. taken the feminine kind of movement has taken that away. And I, and I feel like we need to add that back in again. So sorry, Axel, I interrupted you. No, it, it, no, 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 you didn't interrupt me. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned this, because I was going to go back to what you said two, three times earlier, but like showing the vulnerability on the women's side, and, and women are a lot more able to do it, I was gonna say 
easier. Whereas men, sometimes we still have the, no, if you show weakness, like that's not good. No one's going to want to invest with you. Whereas thinking back, I've listened to like hundreds of hours of podcasts and read books and stuff. And the most impactful were usually the ones where they said, I did a project. It was absolutely terrible. And I'm going to tell you all of my mistakes because we keep hearing about those great successes. But the most impact is often like just sharing the list of all the stupidities that we did on a project. And that's a pure example of the vulnerability of like, I made this mistake. I made that mistake. I would do this differently. And it's true that women do have the ability, I find, to share it and to let it out in an easier way. And that's something that, man, we really need to work on it because we always want to put the game face on. And that's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm so glad that you feel that way, right? I mean, it's life-changing. Like when you, you know, Brene Brown really did a great job of, of hammering that home for us and, and opening up that whole topic of vulnerability again. And I, and I feel uh, really glad that we are embracing it. I mean, we, we really are embracing being vulnerable again. And it's just, it's so important. And it is, I, I know I've said this so many times, but it's so empowering, right? Like when you just let it out, when you tell people, like I remember this, this weekend, I just was having a day and and I just, you know, I was, I had some tears and, you know, all my team just came together and went, it's okay, we got you, right? And I'm like, yeah, because I'm going to be like this all day and I'm in a mood and that's just what it is, right? And so we have to be allowed to be in that space instead of just covering it up. You know, I mean, I learned years ago, you've got to be allowed to not be happy all the time. And I'm a pretty positive, happy person. But yeah, I allow myself and the people in my life know, like if I'm not having a good day or if I'm going to have a cry nothing's going to stop me, right? Like it's just, it's going to happen and you're going to have to deal with it. And that's very freeing to be able to be surrounded by people who you can do that with. And and it's, you know, empowering. I mean, that's the word that keeps coming to mind. So let it out. <laughs> let it out. And yeah. as, as we let it out, I was going to like slightly shift the conversation because we've talked a lot about the network that you've built and empowering these women, but it is in the end for real estate projects to, to create value, to create wealth for those involved. And so just before we started, we talked about a large land development that you have going around just north of Victoria, and then also another property for a redevelopment on a house to do, I think, 20 homes. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Because it might actually spark some interest in more women wanting to be involved with these particular yeah. Uh, properties. Yeah, absolutely. And and those are two great stories. So thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to share those. So Brett McLean, who's in the book, and she's dreaming of getting back to the simpler life, always wanting to have an organic farm, has two children and a husband, and, and now she's got a dog and cows and goats and the, the whole works. But, you know, she was kind of in the, the corporate rat race and just feeling like she was missing some things. Basically, her uh, a friend of hers who had seen uh, one of the big investment conferences that I hosted here in Victoria said, you know, you're, you're looking at this property, you need to talk to Liza Rogers from Wren. So Brett gives me a call and I got to tell you, you know, Brett's got guts, right? Like here's this 145 acre property and she decides that she's going to buy it. It's an incredible price, but it's like, it's a formerly logged property, kind of looks messy. It's got amazing ocean views. And, and so this ballsy woman ties it up, right? 
So what do we say in real estate investing? Tie it up, you know, get it under contract, figure it out afterwards. She gets it under contract. And then I get this phone call and she says, yeah, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure what I've got here. And I said, do you have a lawyer? So that was the first thing that we did was got her in touch with the lawyer. So the conclusion of that was she was just about getting ready to close, needed uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars more to finish the deal. And I happened to have a friend of mine, uh, Stefan in town, and he's wanted to do real estate development for ages. And he's looking at some property. And I said, you know, Brett might need an investor for her soup property. Why don't we give her a call and just see if she wants partners on that? And so uh, I just said, look, if you put up the money, you know, I'll be your partner, right? So it's like, you know, you're not going to get into this deal without taking me along with you. So it's one of those, you know, great stories of other other people's money as well, using other people's money. It really does happen and it's totally legitimate and it creates a win-win for everybody. So we called Brett and she's like, oh my God, like perfect timing. You know, we, uh, yes, I need almost $300,000 to close. And so Stefan's like, okay, well, if you want Liza and I as partners, I'll write you a check. And so we, we did the paperwork, did the shareholders agreement. And so the three of us became owners of this uh, property in Souk. So it's 145 acres. We're keeping 40 acres until next year. We're going to decide, do we want to do container homes? Do we want to put a little vineyard in there? Do we want like a little eco village? Do we want a tiny homes? We're going to save that. We're selling four 10-acre parcels. So those will come on sale uh, probably in January. They're gorgeous ocean view lots. You know, you can see the Olympic mountain range in the background. They're absolutely beautiful. And Brett has been building her, you know, 30-acre farm with goats and chickens and turkeys and horses. And it's just been the most incredible journey. You know, I've never done a, a bare land development before. We've learned about putting in roads. We've learned about putting in hydro poles. We've learned about digging wells and sewers and cell towers and all of the things that go along with taking a, a plot of land that was a, a forested logged piece of property and the, the forestry company left it in a disaster. I mean, that's a whole, that could be a whole other story and taking it and, and creating something beautiful out of it that's going to be, you know, awesome for a group of families uh, to come and, and enjoy and, and build uh, build their dream home or their family home or their estate home or their their little hobby farm or whatever, whatever the case may be. So that's a whole thing of if I can do it, you can as well. Right. I mean, got the phone call, put the investors together and that just comes with a little bit of time. Right. I mean, you learn to do these things very quickly once you're in the game. And it's just amazing to be able to bring those kinds of opportunities together. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Great. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're uh, kind of uh, getting towards wrap up. Liza, do you want to tell our audience how they can get in touch with you if they want to? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really easy. It's ren.club. So it's w-r-e-n.c-l-u-b. That's the website. You can send us an email, info at ren.club. The book is available there. There's videos. We've got YouTube channel. We've got Facebook pages. All of the links are there. And uh, we are always happy to uh, welcome more women and of course our enlightened men uh, into the group we just want to you know want to say if, if we can do it so can you and and ladies and gentlemen like get out there just start right like that's the thing just get started take the leap get started and find your tribe find your people and you'll just be amazed at what can happen and, and the snowball effect that you have for your yourself your friends and and your community thank Absolutely. you so much you're welcome for, uh spending this time with us. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much, Terry and Axel. It's been great to be here. Thank you, Liza. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. 
Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.